Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's program. Um, Today's program is going to be a continuation of our work with Anytown High School. And um, that's very exciting. I must share with the folks who are working with us at Anytown High School just how much positive feedback I'm receiving on what we're doing here, um, uh, really uh, helping lots of different schools um, learn what it looks like, uh, the sequence, the process, um, the roadblocks, the difficulties in implementing collaborative problem solving in a school. Um, This is really extremely exciting, just, just based on what I'm hearing about how much people who are listening to these programs are, are getting out of it. So, welcome to the program, everyone. We are not going to be taking outside calls today. We're just going to be working with the folks at Anytown High School. Uh, next week, an opportunity to call in. Next week is our educators panel. Um, and so, uh, that's a good time to call in if you've been chomping at the bit to call in and uh, ask questions or um, just have, make a comment. Um, next week would be a great time to do that, and then the next week after that, we will pick up our work with Anytown High School yet again. Um, so let me bring uh, Anytown High School on the air here. Uh, how are you all today? Good. Good. So I guess the first thing that I want to ask is, I've already established just because we were talking earlier that you did indeed have ice this morning, um, which I'm sure made for some very pleasant driving. Uh, we always like to get the weather out of the way first, uh, just to make sure that we all know how, how hard we have it. Um, but um, there's ice in various parts of the country this morning, so that really doesn't say where any town high school is, I don't suppose. Um, let me ask you all, give me any thoughts that you may have had about um, what we did last time and uh, any questions you had about it, any thoughts you had about it, anything about anything that we did the last time. And what we did the last time is we started having a discussion about a student that we're calling T, who goes to your school, and we began understanding her difficulties through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And, of course, with each lagging skill that we talked about, the examples of that lagging skill that you were giving me are the unsolved problems that we're going to need to try to solve once we get through having our discussion. One of the things we're going to try to accomplish today, by the way, we're going to try to make our way through the remaining lagging skills and discuss them and see if there are any unsolved problems that flow from them. Then we'll 
try to shake the unsolved problems tree a little bit more and make sure that nothing else is there to come out of the tree than what we've talked about so far. And then we're going to do something very important. We're going to prioritize. We're going to decide on what unsolved problems do we want to have our first attempts at Plan B with T about. And then what we'll do in two weeks on that program is talk about what Plan B looks like and get you all set to do Plan B with T. But before we do all that, any any comments, thoughts, reminiscences about what we did the last time? Um, I thought that it was very helpful um, to have you expand upon the lagging skills, and I think that made it a little <coughs> easier to identify if um, T fit into that um, skill. Good. And by expanding, you mean expanding mean explaining the un the lagging skill itself? or expanding yes. in the form of what are the unsolved problems that flow from that lagging skill? Um, just expanding on the lagging skill and what exactly it meant. Good to know, uh, because as you know, I tried very hard to make these self-explanatory, but have learned many times that I have not succeeded in that effort. Um, so we may have to talk about what might be helpful for you all along those lines. But um, that aside, any other comments or suggestions? <clears throat> this is Zena, and my comment is that I'm going to be very interested to see how all of this large picture stuff condenses into something much more manageable, because when I'm looking at my paper here, I have crazy notes all over it, and yep. it's sort of hard to discern how, like, this is what T is, but how are we going to make it smaller and manageable? So I'll be interested to see how that works out. Great. And let me just, as a, um, let, me, let me comment on that briefly. We are already making it, believe it or not, I know that your, your, your uh, assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems is wild at this point, and we do need to tie it all together. But um, here's what we've done so far, and we're not even all the way through the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. We have begun viewing her difficulties through a certain set of lenses. And so if we stick with those lenses, there are certain things we simply will not say about T, <laughs> anymore. And not just what you all might have been saying about T, because it sounds like you all actually had a pretty decent understanding of T, but there are many things that are said about challenging kids that simply are not true, as I've mentioned before. Manipulative, attention-seeking, uh, coercive, unmotivated, limit-testing. When we are viewing a student's difficulties through the prism of lagging skills, we're not saying that stuff anymore. And interventions that we might have applied, mostly involving rewarding and punishing and motivating, that, that flow from those inaccurate explanations, well, we're not going to be applying those interventions anymore either. So believe it or not, as messy as your ALSUP looks at the moment, we've already begun clarifying and simplifying, believe it or not. I, I think that that's probably hard to believe at the moment. So let me just let me take it one step further. We're actually not going to be teaching T most of those lagging skills that we've identified so far in a direct fashion. We're going to be teaching those lagging skills in an indirect fashion by solving the problems that are byproducts of those lagging skills. And if we solve those problems in a certain way, and if you're listening to this radio program, you know what that way is, plan B, collaborative problem solving, then the skills that T is lacking will be simultaneously taught. So, 
now let me simplify life a little. We're going to take the lagging skills once we're through making our way through them, and we're going to put them on the shelf because they've done their job. Mission accomplished. We now have the right lenses on. And what we're going to do, and we're going to get to this today, is we're going to focus exclusively on unsolved problems, and we're going to prioritize which unsolved problems we're going to be starting to work on first. Because I fully appreciate that T has lots of unsolved problems. I also fully appreciate that if we try to solve them all at once, we won't solve any of them at all. So the next hurdle, once we're through figuring out what skills she's lacking and what her unsolved problems are, are to put the lagging skills on the shelf. They were crucial, but now they've done their job. We have the right lenses on. We're viewing her through the prism of lagging skills and demands for those skills. And then we're going to start focusing on unsolved problems, and we're going to pretty much have a pretty decent idea about what our agenda is for the rest of the school year for unsolved problems, beginning with the three that we decide we're working on first. Good? Very good, yeah. And when we start doing that, we're going to introduce we, – we can live with a messy ALSIP, but we can't live with a messy Plan B flowchart. And what we're going to do once we're through – and we're, I'm, I'm being a little long-winded here, but that's okay, I suppose. Um, what, what, what we're going to do once we're through having our discussion with the ALSIP as our discussion guide is move on to – and I'm going to try to make sure we do this by – 405, which is a little bit artificial because I don't like to cut short discussions about kids lagging skills and unsolved problems, but we're, we're going we're gonna to end this discussion in 25 minutes and move on to the Plan B flowchart where we're going to be deciding which are our top three unsolved problems, our top priorities, and who is going to be taking primary responsibility for doing Plan B with T on those unsolved problems. So now... Once we get done with this discussion, we start organizing the effort. We start making things much more crystal clear, and here's the beauty of it. It's all going to be proactive because we know what our unsolved problems are ahead of time, and we can plan for proactive Plan B instead of doing all of this emergently. Sound good? Mm -hmm. Let me pull out my pen here because i got to do some writing. I think – I'm not positive um, – I, the last lagging skill I got a signal on was managing one's emotional response to frustration so as to think rationally. Um, I do think we covered irritability and anxiety. I'm not remembering that we got a particularly strong signal on that, especially because I think we decided, correct me if I'm wrong, this is my memory from, um, this was 5 o'clock in the morning in Powell River, Canada, where I was doing the program from last time, and um, my memory is a little sketchy. Did we decide that T was irritable and anxious outside the context of frustration, or did we decide that she wasn't? She was not. Good. That's why I didn't write it down. Okay. So what I think we then moved on to was a cluster of lagging skills, and I am not recalling perfectly what we decided here. Difficulty seeing the grays, concrete, literal, black and white thinking. Difficulty deviating from rules and routine. Difficulty handling unpredictability, ambiguity, uncertainty, novelty. Difficulty shifting from original idea, plan, or solution. Difficulty taking into account situational factors that would suggest the need to adjust a plan of action. Um, first of all, 
do are all of those clear? If not, which ones would you all like explained further? I think they were clear. Okay. Any of them ringing a bell? I think to some extent they they all apply with T to some extent. Is do they apply globally or do they apply situationally? In other words, can I get some examples? Would it be easier, by the way, if we took one at a time? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's, let's do them one at a time. Difficulty seeing the grays, concrete, literal, black and white thinking. Gets an idea in her head. It would take an earthquake to yeah. show. Yeah, we said that. We, we did. Water. That was the last one we did. That's the last and one. And what did we decide on that one? That it was a lagging yeah. skill. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember if you all gave me any examples on that. How does she appear to be a concrete, literal, black and white thinker? Does that happen more in some circumstances than others? Can you give me some examples? I think um, that was the example we used when um, it's against, it's a school rule that there's no food allowed in the classroom. Um, T had an incident where she was hungry and she had a gigantic bag of chips in the classroom and she she was eating it and couldn't understand why, you know, that's not acceptable because she was hungry was all that kept referring to. Any other examples? Well, in, in her schoolwork, when she thinks she understands an example and she's trying to explain a problem to me, she uses the same problem over and over, and if you try to sway her thinking a little bit, she she doesn't seem to take it in. She just reverts back to her original model, and she might state it differently, but it's the same model. It's very hard to get her to change something when she thinks she has it correct. Got it. Even when you're explaining it, she's not... Right. She's trying to connect it back to what she was already thinking. Yep. Very interesting. Um, difficulty deviating from rules and routine. Now, the, the potato chip example is her deviating from rules, but not understanding why that was a problem. Are there any examples of her being so rule-oriented or so things have got to be the way we've always done them that that's not a problem? No. Difficulty handling unpredictability, ambiguity, uncertainty, novelty. If things aren't... So maybe is not an answer she could tolerate. Um, At some point... We'll do that, not something she can tolerate. Well, that answer could be right under some circumstances and not others is not something she could tolerate. What do you all think? I've seen her um, actually do the total flip side of that. Um, She 
told us before we went on a field trip that she had a fear of heights, but by the end she was like a little mountain goat jumping from rock to rock when we went on a hike. And she told me that she had arachnophobia, basically, and when we hung up some spider webs as part of our fear unit, she initially refused to come into the classroom for a day or two, but then she was sitting in the room with everybody else. So I think she sort of states that she doesn't handle it, but she does. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Other examples? How does she do with subs? I don't know. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. She won't go into that room. If, there, if there's a substitute teacher, she won't go into the room? Oh, uh, now that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to another one. Um, difficulty shifting from original idea, plan, or solution. Yeah, I guess that was the example I just gave. I think the the, incompatibility with subs sort of uh, is addressed by that one as well. Okay, yeah. Difficulty taking into account situational factors that would suggest the need to adjust a plan of action. For example, we're supposed to go do this outdoor activity. Mm -hmm. It's thundering and lightning. She's still going. Um, There are certain behaviors that are appropriate during recess or phys ed, others that are appropriate during English lit. She doesn't take into account what the situational factors are. Um, She misses that. Any of that? I don't think so. I don't think so. That doesn't sound good. All right. This one could be interesting. <laughs> Inflexible, inaccurate interpretations or cognitive distortions or biases. For example, and there's more there's way more than the examples, but everyone's out to get me, nobody likes me, you always blame me, it's not fair, I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. What what would you say hers are? I'm stupid. I'm stupid as big. I'm stupid. Yes, you said that. Does she believe it? I think she's believing it less than she used to. At the beginning of the year, that was, um, I, I think she would begin every class almost by saying that, almost as a warning. I, I can't do this. I'm stupid before you even um, handed out any type of assignment mm-hmm. or task. So. It was like her disclaimer. You know, if you weren't, ex- you know, like for expectations, you know, don't expect much from me because I'm not going to be able to do it. Yep. It's, not, it's not because she was unwilling to make an effort. Any others besides I'm stupid? Well, the I can't do this. Generally, you know, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Got it. All right. Difficulty attending to or accurately interpreting social cues, poor perception of social nuances, um, misreading people's facial expression, um, 
joking around when someone is sad, um, just missing the cues. I've never seen that. No. I would say no. Okay. Difficulty starting, these are basic social skills, starting conversations, entering groups, connecting with people, any of that. She has had some issues lately where she's asked to be removed from the class that she's in, specifically to get away from certain people. Who are distracting her. I'm not entirely sure what the situation is along with that, if they are just distracted to her and she recognizes that and wants to be away from them, or if there are other things going on, because um, T follows these particular students all day, and the first class they have is gym. So I'm not sure if things are being said early in the morning at lockers or whatever it might be. Maybe um, Wilfred can speak to that. Have you met with her on that at all? Um. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not sure I got anywhere. And is the are the issues with the girls I thought I remember from the last time that they are distracting her in class? Yeah, that that was one of the things that you were talking to her about. Yeah. Just the Does she ha- go ahead, sorry. The social cues that I'm seeing from the other girls, like their posturing and stuff sort of leads me to believe that there may be some more things going on than what we know about. Got it. In terms of the degree to, they might be giving her a hard time? Yeah. She, she, it, was, it was a little bit mixed. First of all, it seemed like they were giving her a hard time, but on the other hand, she was sort of teaming up with them. So we were getting mixed messages. Um, and she was determined that she was unwilling to try to address whatever problems she was having between these girls. She just wanted, she wanted out of the class that, that, that those girls were in. She felt, I th- and I think I believe she, when she said she thought it was detracting from her, from her education, I think that was a valid uh, concern of hers. But I think there's more, there was more to it that we really weren't, weren't honing in on. Got it. We, so that's something we would need more information about. Yeah, we didn't move her out. We didn't move the other girls out. And we she's, are moving one of the other girls. But, but there hasn't yet. And yet she stopped coming to my office saying, you know, get me out of there. Okay. Difficulty seeking attention in appropriate ways. Um, well, yeah, I think so. I mean, at the beginning of the year, she was making all these weird, no- loud noises to just to either, be, either to be funny or to attract attention to herself or mm-hmm. to make herself different, maybe make herself weird. I, I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can recall, like, at the beginning of the school year, like, she would make statements like, well, you have to let me listen to my music because... Um, that's the only way that I can work, or she would, you know, make statements that were, like, definite, but, you know, would bring attention because they were typically, you know, not following the rules and expectations. She would segregate herself from all the other students and sit off at a table somewhere else, partly to perhaps be able to focus and get her work done, but also possibly to look different, to... Stand out to attract attention. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the interesting thing. 
We don't know why she was doing it. Right. What we do know is that we have sort of an unsolved problem here, and that is her sometimes isolating herself from her peers. Um, the thing is, and that's fine as just a standalone unsolved problem. We, we don't know if it was a social skill issue. We don't know if it was an attention-seeking thing. We don't know if it was purely because she wanted to get work done. But that's the type of thing we would gather information about when we were doing Plan B. Mm-hmm. So that's that's okay. I mean, we can let, let's keep going with some more lagging skills. Uh, difficulty appreciating how her behavior is affecting other people. I think she knows. I think she knows. She always, but she doesn't care. Right. <laughs> she. she her M.O. is that she will blow up or do something outlandish and then apologize later. Right. Well, and the interesting thing is, what we don't know yet is, did she, the, the apology later could mean either that she's thought about it mm-hmm. or that she has had something pointed out to her. Or, and the think about it part is interesting because sometimes in the ongoing stream of behavior, when we are responding to life, we aren't thinking about it as well sometimes as we are after we've done something. So the big question there is, is she in the moment appreciating how her response is going to affect other people and really not caring, but she has the appreciation at that moment or at that moment, she really doesn't appreciate it, in either because she needs feedback or because she um, thought about it without need of feedback. Now she's remorseful because now she does appreciate it. What do you all think? I think she's a... She's, she, She's capable of being aware of how her behavior is affecting others at the time. But when she does stuff that she needs to apologize for, she's just reacting emotionally rather than rationally. What do you guys think? I would definitely agree that she's reacting emotionally. I think to some degree she's... um, subscribe to this, like, profile that she's assigned herself because I know earlier at the beginning when I would talk with her, she would say to me things like when I asked her about how she managed her anger and how she responded, she would often say, well, that's just me. Like, that's just the way I do it. That's just the way it is. And so I, in some ways I think she's, you know, convince herself that that sort of is the protocol. You know, if I get upset, this is how it plays out. Um, And so I think she's just sort of pinned herself in a profile that she's having a hard time redefining. So am I hearing, I'm not positive what I'm hearing, it sounds to me like she may actually be able to appreciate how her behavior affects others, but not necessarily when she's upset about something. Right. Fair? I would, or, or is that... Yes. No, I would sure say... I'm hearing that, you right. 
That's, yeah. She can appreciate it, but I think when she's upset about it, she doesn't know how to manage it appropriately. So I think what you're saying was, was accurate. Yeah. Got it. Good. Uh, two more. Difficulty empathizing with others, appreciating another person's perspective or point of view. I mean, I don't know. This is this is Marisol again. I mean, I think she can appreciate another person's perspective. I, I just think she struggles with accepting it. And I, I don't know what the difference there is, but so I don't think that it's that she can't empathize because I think that's part of the remorse. I don't think she'd be remorseful all the time if she wasn't able to empathize. I think those are correlated, but I think she can see the other person's perspective. I just think she struggles with accepting it and then working from those parameters. That's how I see it. Others? I would agree with that. Well, now, here's my question. Appreciating another person's point of view and accepting another person's point of view, there's some nuance there because if, if what we're saying to her is, <laughs> T, here's our point of view, and um, guess what? That's now your point of view. And, you know, that happens. Sometimes we say, um, t- hey, let me give a specific example. Um, T, we understand that you think eating potato chips in the classroom when you were hungry is fine. Our point of view is that it's against school rules and it is not fine. So, T, you're never doing it again. Hmm. Now, if what we're saying is um, she, she got it, but she doesn't buy it, then she might be saying, wait a minute, y'all are blowing my point of view off the table and asking me to accept your point of view. I get your point of view. I just don't accept that mine should be blown off the table. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more nuanced. It depends on what it is we are hoping she'll do with our point of view that that would persuade me that in in one case she doesn't get it. In the other... She gets it, but she's not willing to abandon her own point of view if what we're asking her to do is abandon yours, accept ours. What do you and think? I do think that there's a level of expectation when it has to do with rules and and norms that the classroom teachers have. Yeah, I think to some degree there is an expectation that abandon your perspective and now you need to accept that these are the rules. Right. And mm-hmm. she may be... And now it's not our point of view that she's having trouble accepting. It's our rules that she's having trouble fitting into. Um, but wait a minute. What about this? Because, you know, that's, all, that's how we often do rules in schools. We say, and I'm going to go a little overboard here, we say, uh, students, um, we realize that you may have some concerns about our rules, and uh, we appreciate that you may have some concerns about our rules, but our rules are our rules. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. So I don't know if she's having trouble appreciating her point of view. I think that when our point of view becomes mandates, T doesn't have such an easy time going along. Fair? 
fair. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say what we're going to do about that, because um, you know some people, maybe even you all, are sitting there listening and saying, "Well, what does he? How does he think we're going to run this place <laughs> if we don't have students accepting our rules?" The good news is most of the students do accept your rules. It's the students who don't go along for the ride of our rules who end up accessing our discipline program frequently. And after countless times of them accessing our discipline program because they know what our rules are, they even may they may even understand the rationale behind them. What they are often saying is, but wait a second, what about me? And I, I'm just wondering if T is one of those kids, and she kind of is sounding like one of those kids. And what she's saying is, you know, the reality is, and I, I get this from my own two children sometimes, the rules that we have pretty much require that kids, students, put aside any concerns that they have about our rules. Because what we're basically saying to them is, dudes, these are our rules, and there's no discussion about our rules. The kids who frequently blow through our school discipline program are the ones who are saying, I got that you got rules. And I might even get the rationale behind your rules. I just, I can't, there's things about your rules that just don't fit for me. And I, and you guys punishing me because they don't fit for me doesn't make them any better of a fit for me. We'll find out. We have one more lagging skill. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Difficulty appreciating how she's coming across or being perceived by others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think? Mm-hmm. Can you expand on it a little bit? Like, give us an example. Sure. Um, uh, a. a uh, a person who is um, thinking that they are coming across as confident but are is being perceived by others as extremely cocky. Uh, a person who is shy but is being perceived by others and being given feedback by others that they are really aloof and standoffish. I think that Somebody this could apply uh, to I, think, I don't think we need any more examples. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. I think there's a lot of finesse to this, and that probably connects to whatever issue that T is having with those girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, T, this particular student often describes herself as sort of a tomboy, but knowing her family background, there are some limits to that imposed by the family, and I think she sometimes struggles with how she wants to be perceived by the other students and what group she wants to fit in and how she fits in. So I'm just, I think she's sort of floating on what she is. And Omerisol earlier told us that she has this pre-prescribed definition for what she is and how she acts. But she's constantly sort of changing that herself and so in one sense, she's saying, I'm this person. This is who I am. But it's always changing. It's always morphing a little bit. Interesting. Do, do you think 
she knows how others perceive her. Are you referring to peers or are you referring to adults or are you referring to both? Both. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. I think she's been adjusting to the fact that her teachers believe she's intelligent Mm -hmm. and she's trying to figure out what the students around her think of her and that could be part of the reason why, you know, she covers for the other girls who are probably actually giving her problems. But, you know, she wants to switch the class. She doesn't want to talk to them about it. She just wants to do it herself. So, like, I don't think she, I think she's sort of understanding how the teachers perceive her because we flat out tell her all the time, no, you're not stupid. Look at you got this. You're just second guessing yourself over and over and over. So she gets a very firm understanding from the teachers. But the, her peers, it's not as consistent. All right. So we've, we have a self-imposed timeline deadline here. Let me ask you this. Are there any other unsolved problems that we haven't talked about? We've been, we've been sliding into unsolved problems through the lagging skill gates. But let me let's just go through really quickly, uh, more quickly than I would normally, some of the unsolved problems that are in the school section of the ELSIP. Um, does she have difficulty shifting from one specific task to another, one class to another, some perhaps a task within the same class? No. 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 She have trouble getting started on assignments. I think we've covered that if she doesn't um, get it, she might have trouble starting on it. Yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think we've covered that one. We've also covered interactions with a particular classmate. Uh, there's actually a, a, a group of classmates who she's having trouble getting along with. Behavior in hallway at recess in cafeteria on school bus or waiting in line? Um, Only if she's upset. Okay, yeah. Talking at inappropriate times. That's getting better. Yes, she's better. Okay. And I think we've gotten a bead on some of these specific academic tasks and demands that she has trouble with. And the thing that came up big for me there is certain reading assignments and comprehending certain things that she's reading. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, As well as computer programs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. and listening and writing at the same time. Yeah. And then lastly, handling disappointment, losing at a game, not coming in first, not being first in line. She's on a swim team, and when she had uh, lost in her first meet, I asked her how, this is Tim, the case manager, and I asked her how did she do, and she said she didn't do that well, but she wasn't really upset at her losing the, the race. It was just more that she was glad to, to be there. Mm-hmm. She was what? She she was just happy that she was actually on the team. 
Because at that point, there were a couple of girls that were being uh, removed from the team at that point. This was at the beginning of the school year. Yep. Okay. So here's... I'm going to try to list for you here. Let's see if I do a good job of this. All of the unsolved problems that we could be working on with T. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <coughs> certain uh, Difficulty with certain computer programs. Difficulty with certain complicated reading assignments. Sometimes difficulty understanding what she's read. And I'd want to be as specific about these as possible, but we don't have to be right this second. We will be when we start talking about Plan B, but we're not quite there yet. Listening and writing at the same time. Four unsolved problems. Um, Difficulty focusing, but especially if she doesn't understand an assignment. Although, now let me read my handwriting here. Difficulty being distracted, especially difficulty focusing when she's distracted by some of the girls in her class. That's a big one. Difficulty if help is not given to her when she needs it immediately. Um, difficulty when there's a substitute teacher. Um, some difficulty with self-deprecating statements. And some social difficulties, especially with a certain group of classmates. And we don't understand those social difficulties very well yet, so so what we can just say right now is that social difficulties with a certain set of classmates. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. All right. So we have, and we could probably add some more, but we have about eight or ten unsolved problems, and that's not atypical. That's about the number we usually end up with, eight, ten, twelve unsolved problems in the pile of unsolved problems. Let me ask you all this, and I wanted to be doing this uh, seven minutes ago, but that's okay. We, We can do some homework in between as well. If I asked you to pick the ones that you thought were of the highest priority, which would they be? And there's different ways to prioritize. We can prioritize by which unsolved problems are setting in motion T's worst episodes. And I think that's a very good place to start. I often start, although it doesn't sound like T is having major safety issues, if there are safety issues, I usually start with the unsolved problems that are setting them in motion. If there aren't safety issues, I'm often starting with the unsolved problems that are setting in motion challenging episodes most often. But there's lots of other ways to prioritize as well. Those that we think are getting in the way the most. Um, what, what do you all think? We only have about 90 seconds left, and I'm going to ask you to do some prioritizing between now and the next session. But any initial candidates on which ones you all think would be most important? 
I thought that the last two were key, the self-deprecation. If we can help her in that area, I think it will alleviate a lot of the issues that she has with the reading and the understanding because she'll learn how to deal with her misunderstandings more appropriately. And then the social difficulties would also help her. So here's what I'd like you all to do. I'm as good with those as I would be with any others. Between now and our next session, which is in two weeks, let's have you think about which three unsolved problems you'd want to start with. And the next time we meet, I'm going to instruct you all on how you do Plan B, and then, by golly, we're doing Plan B with T. Sound like a plan? Yep. Yep. Sounds good. Outstanding. I'm sure I'll talk to you between sessions, but once again, thanks to the folks at Anytown High School for letting us join in with them today and giving us incredible opportunity. Talk to you next week during the Educators Panel.